Hello, and welcome back to We Are the Weirdos, Mister, the podcast for all things cult, camp, queer, and creepy. I am your host, Hillary Michelle Post, and today I am joined by two besties, Julie. Hello. And Heather. Hey. So, a few weeks ago, Julie and I did an episode on Beetlejuice. And at, during that episode, we made the revelation that it was the first Tim Burton movie we had covered on the show. So, I decided, in honor of spooky season, from now through Halloween, we'd just go ahead and do all Tim Burton movies. Which brings us to today's episode, Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Directed by Tim Burton, based on the musical by Stephen Sondheim. That's right, folks. We wrangled Heather into another musical episode because she is such a good sport. <laughs> I have some thoughts on this one. So, so yes, I'm excited about this because I, as much as I dislike musicals, this is this is a good this is a good one. Oh, good. I, good, good, good. I actually struggled watching this. I'm not gonna lie. This is not the first time to pause. I know, and I had to. Pa- I had to pause it. I was like, I can't right now. I just couldn't. So, <laughs> I'm glad Heather has thoughts because I don't have any. Oh well, that's no good. <laughs> You're gonna I have to know, fucking come I mean, up I with some. Color commentary. Trust me, I have thoughts. I'm gonna. I'll make some humorous interjections as always. <laughs> So, first and foremost, I have to point out that this show was a victim of the curse of my podcast, which is as soon as I decide to do a movie for this podcast, it disappears off of the streaming platforms that I have. I swear to God, it was just on Amazon Prime, like, two weeks ago. And as soon as I decided to do it, it disappeared. And then, let's talk about how tell your listeners how much of an idiot I am because I own this movie on DVD and I was like, oh, better go look for that DVD. Literally just got a plane in from Florida last night. I know, Florida man. And so here I am and I'm like, I gotta watch this movie for this podcast and I'm looking for it and I'm looking for it and I'm looking for it. Not a clue. I went upstairs and checked in two different places and I was like, I know I just saw this. Nope. Couldn't find it. Paid two ninety nine to rent it on Amazon. It was right on the other side of my TV. And I knew exactly where it was, too, because I saw it last time I was there, just a couple weeks ago. And I was asleep, and she texted me. <laughs> and I, like, texted her back, like, 20 minutes later, because I had been asleep. And uh, she was like, well, I already rented it. Because <laughs> um, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> no. But was it, where, was it where it said, I'm where just, I said I it was? I could have looked harder, I guess. Yeah, it was exactly where he said it was. <laughs> it was behind my behind my cutesy Bigfoot statue. <laughs> Not to bring stereotypes into this, but if one of us were a man, it probably would be you, Julie. Like, you know. <laughs> right. I, like I can never find anything, right. and I'm like, it's right there. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh, Which, you know, the really sucks is because I am usually, like, an agent of chaos where I'm like, okay, I remember that I put this under that pile of clothes three months ago, and that's where it is. But <laughs> this DVD could not be found. Could not find it. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I guess. 
whatever. I was like, oh, I peer- I, I've spent $3 on dumber stuff, that's for sure. <laughs> so, some background on the character Sweeney Todd to get us started. Sweeney Todd the Murderous Barber actually dates back to the Victorian era, where he appeared in Penny Dreadfuls, becoming a very well-known character among British readers. In 1973, Christopher Bond adapted the character for the stage, being the first uh, adaptation to give Sweeney a motivation and tragic backstory. So this adaptation that the musical is based on um, by Christopher Bond was adapted with music and lyrics by Stephen Sondheim and a book by Hugh Wheeler. And it opened on Broadway in 1979 and then opened on the West End the following year. It won eight Tony Awards that year, including Best Musical. It has had several revivals, tours, concert specials. It's been redone over and over and over and over. Um, Have either of you ever seen a a stage production of it? First off, why would you ask Heather that question? Hey, she's surprised Uh. me before. I've been like, hey, have you ever seen Dreamgirls? And she's like, yeah, I fucking saw it live. So I don't underestimate Heather anymore. (laughs) Thank you, but actually, no, I have not seen it. Me neither. <laughs> I've never seen it live on stage, but I've seen a bunch of stage productions. Like, I saw the original Broadway cast on PBS when I was really young. It's one of the first musicals that I ever really saw that really got me into musicals. Like, hey, this is hardcore. This is awesome. Um, And then I've seen a bunch of different concerts. There was a great concert with Emma Thompson as Mrs. Lovett that I really like. Oh, yeah, it's really good. Um, so, Tim Burton saw the show several times when he was still a student. And though not typically a fan of musicals, he was drawn in by how cinematic and macabre the story was. He approached Sondheim about making an adaptation early in his directing career, but nothing came of it. Then, in the early aughts, Sam Mendes became attached to direct a film version and originally approached Sondheim himself to write the screenplay, which Sondheim declined. He was just like, no, I'm good. <laughs> Sondheim is not usually a huge fan of his works being adapted. He's just kind of meh about it. So Mendes hired John Logan to write the screenplay instead. But eventually Mendes left the project to direct Jarhead. And Burton jumped at the opportunity to take his place. And Burton and Logan collaborated together to rework the screenplay a little bit, make it more Burton-y. And rumor has it that this is Sondheim's favorite adaptation of his works, for whatever that's worth. Oh. Yeah. So. He's a spooky bitch. He is a spooky bitch. I love Sondheim. He's a nutbag. (laughs) This is a real throwback, um, but... Every time I think of Sweeney Todd, I think of the movie Jersey Girl. Does anyone remember that movie? Yes. <laughs> Where the little kids do a production of Sweeney Todd. It's so great. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Um, in doing research about this movie, there was a lot said about the casting of the film and how Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter had to audition and take voice lessons and that the, this, that, and the other. But let's be real. Even if they sucked, it was always going to be them because it's a Tim Burton movie. <laughs> yeah. What's it like? Okay. I was thinking about this when I was watching that today because I was like, oh my God. I was like, does Tim Burton like, does he like ship them? 
and like he's doing everything he can to like make this happen because they literally starred opposite each other how many times like how many times several in burton movies julie don't judge what maybe they thruple julie don't judge okay I, i would like Oh, okay. All right. You're right. You're right. Sorry. Or, far be it for me to judge. Um, I see it more as Tim Burton wishes he was Johnny Depp. So it's like a wish fulfillment sort of thing. Like oh. Tim Burton, like Johnny Depp is Tim Burton's avatar. Oh. Mm. Well, that's sad because Helena and Tim aren't even together anymore. Oh. Oof, they, sure I feel like that that happened relatively recently. They that they split up, but then maybe he no longer wants Johnny Depp to be his avatar because Johnny Depp is now trash? Question mark. Question mark. I don't know. Johnny Depp's kind of always been trash. <laughs> hasn't. It just kind of came to light. You know what I mean? I feel like because I personally, I, we, no one knows what happens between him and Amber, but I think at the end of the day, the most. The only thing that we know for sure is that he's kind of like a drunken mess and has yeah. been that way for a little while now. Like I hear that now when he does movies, he has, he wears an earpiece and gets his lines fed to him because he can't even be bothered to remember lines anymore. Like that. Well, he hasn't played a different role since he became Jack Sparrow. Like he played Jack Sparrow and that was the end of it. He's been the same character ever since. That's not true. He's been in different other stuff too, but not just not successfully. They've none of them have done well. Yeah. I, when yeah. I was a kid, I loved Johnny Depp. Like they I saw like every Johnny Depp movie ever. The good, the bad, the ugly, the astronaut's wife, that trash movie. It's true. <laughs> and I, I probably made y'all watch every Johnny Depp movie ever because that's what I did. And then and then something happened along from you know, between Benny and June to Pirates of the Caribbean. That's something happened. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's depressing, sad. but you know what? Remember when he was like the bad guy, or he was like the murder victim in the Murder on the Orient Express, the Poirot movie that Kenneth Branagh did. Yeah, I loved it. I honestly, you managed... did you guys watch that movie? Yeah. No, you have managed to talk about that movie in like the last three episodes of this podcast, and then. <laughs> Well, it's probably it. time for you to watch it. They're making another one. I'm really excited. <laughs> I, I watched that movie in the theaters because uh, obviously I'm a high school English teacher, so I love Kenneth Branagh because Shakespeare and stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Did you hate it? Oh, I loved it. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch it. I'll watch it. It has a yeah. bunch of good, a bunch of good people in it. Now, I mean, I'm cynical about Johnny and Helena being cast in this and how it was like an inevitability. But fortunately, they're both really good. Like, this could have been really bad. <laughs> and yeah. they do a yeah. pretty good job. Sondheim is really hard to sing and they do an okay job. Yeah, she has a very pretty voice. But at first I was like, can Johnny Depp sing? And by the end of it, I was like, you know what? He did He did well. But at first I was like, yeah, Johnny. And then I'm like, he, he grew into it. I mean, yeah. if you judge it against Russell Crowe and Liz Rob, which is also something it's... I bring up every episode of this podcast, <laughs> it's great. Beautiful singer it's ever. Great. Right. <laughs> mm. yeah. 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 Actually, so, though, I'm going to wait. Hold on. I have something to say about the singing in this movie. I yes. think the kid is the best singer in this movie. Oh. oh. Yeah, he is good. 
he's good. Yeah. Like the little Toby kid? Yes. I think yes. He's, the, he's the best singer in the whole movie. <laughs> I'm just going to look. Was you say, Heather? I was just going to apologize because it's raining out and Dorsey hates rain and I don't know if there's thunder and lightning. So I have locked her out of the bedroom and she's just on the other side of the door whining at me. So if you hear her whining, I'm very sorry. Oh, it's okay. Dorsey can be in the podcast. <laughs> she's got a lot to say about Sweeney Todd. <laughs> Jeez. So let's just dive into the movie, shall we? So we start with... You're right. Yeah, I was just like readjusting, and I like half fell on my head. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the opening credits run. We have this long opening credit scene, right, that plays the overture of the film. And I remember when we, Julie and I, went to see this in theaters when it first came out, and um, I remember immediately being so bummed because they cut out the chorus. There's an amazing chorus in the original um, productions, and it just sounds amazing. It's just, I can't describe it. You just have to hear it. It's really impactful. And as when I realized that they like got rid of the chorus and it was just going to be instrumental in the places where the chorus was, I was so bummed. I was also a little worried watching those opening credits sequence the first time because the CGI is so bad. It is. Yeah. I noticed today today how bad it was. Yeah. Yeah. Was it just a sign of like the times? Like, did we think it was bad in 2007? (laughs) I remember thinking it was. Okay. When I saw it first time, I was just like, eesh. The one thing I did about the first part was like the the colors of like the the red of Mm -hmm. the blood. I liked that, but like it could have been so much better. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of the opening credit sequence from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, from Tim Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh yeah. Except instead of instead of chocolate, bad CGI chocolate, it was blood. <laughs> yep. So the movie after the long opening credit sequence, um, the film opens with a ship sailing into harbor in London, and we see Anthony singing about about London and how excited he is. What's that guy's name? Jamie Campbell Bower, and he is one ugly motherfucker. You think he's ugly? Yes, I think that I lo- I could live another every day of my life without ever having seen his face. Who <laughs> plays Anthony? Yeah. Well, I don't think he's ugly. I don't either. Um, like sorry. Okay. Well, apparently, I have an unpopular opinion on the pod, but he is one of the Valturi. Yeah, he's less unfortunate in this than he is in Twilight. Yeah. He also played he like young here. He also played young um Grindelwald in Harry Potter oh, yeah, for the three seconds that. we see him. Yeah. Oh, Grindelwald. What a lost opportunity. <laughs> oh, truly. <sighs> so everything about Harry Potter is a lost opportunity now. We're not gonna get into the specifics right now, I suppose. Yeah. That's depressing. <laughs> Moving on. (laughs) Um, Meanwhile, Sweeney Todd is singing about how much London sucks. And he sings a little bit about his... He doesn't say it's him, but he gives the backstory. Um, Julie, can you tell us a little bit about his backstory? Mm, There was a barber and his wife, 
and they were beautiful. Anyways, uh, yeah, he just sings about this barber and his wife and his uh, the wife being beautiful, but she catches the eye of an all-powerful judge. And basically, you get this flashback scene of um, Johnny Depp not looking like... I don't even know what you would consider him to look like in, as Sweeney Todd, but, like, he's young and beautiful, and then there's his wife and the baby, and they're, like, in the market. And then you see Alan Rickman and the other ugliest motherfucker in the world, Timothy Spall, show up. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, they just billy club Johnny Depp and drag him away. And then, like, Alan Rickman goes to comfort the lady because he looked at her and was like oh yes i should have that because i am all powerful <laughs> right that happened that's what happens then right yeah yeah i want to say something um brave yet controversial except not really alan rickman's yeah. really hot in this movie yes no that's fair yeah okay. yeah <laughs> not just me cool no it's not just you i love Al- oh, r.i.p alan rickman but i've always thought alan rickman was very attractive yeah that that voice, man. Like, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hate Timothy Spall, and I don't know why. I because he Harry always Potter? plays assholes. It, it must be because of Harry Potter, but like, no, I just don't like him. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I'm sure he's a lovely person, but yeah, he always plays assholes. So it's every time you see his face, you just kind of want to punch it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we find out that Anthony actually rescued Sweeney from the ocean. Um, so that was nice of them. <laughs> so they're bros. Um, we don't know why Sweeney Todd was in the middle of the ocean, but we later find out kind of, I don't even remember if this was cut from the movie or not, but um, the judge, Judge Turpin had sent the barber, Sweeney's original name was Benjamin Barker, sent Barker to um, Australia to be uh, a prisoner. And he escaped, and that's when Anthony found him in the ocean. So, Ooh, that's some real escape from Alcatraz shit. Yeah, that's some ballsy shit, man. I don't know, I don't know what his plan was, if he was just going to swim back to London or what, but he somehow wound up in the middle of the ocean. Um, so they dock, and Sweeney Todd goes back to where he used to live when he was Benjamin Barker. He used to live above um, a pie shop by Mrs. Lovett, Nellie Lovett. So he goes back there and we get um, the worst pies in London, which is probably like the most famous song, the most famous number from the show. Um, Just because everyone who's ever done it always puts like their own spin on it. If you ever get a chance, you need to look up Angela Lansbury. She was the original Mrs. Lovett. <gasps> and her so- wow. Gasp. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's the version I first saw when I was little was Angela Lansbury. And I was just like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I'm like, as soon as this is done, I have to look that up. Yes. <laughs> um, so. He mentions that. Um. You know, if times are so hard, which is what she sings in her song, that why doesn't she rent the room above the pie shop? And she says that people, no one will go near it because people think it's haunted. Um, Heather, can you tell us what Mrs. Lovett reveals to Sweeney Todd about what happened to his wife after he left? 
Oh, she tells him that um, his wife, who was, uh, I don't know, what's the word I want to use, taken in by Turnip. Like, how did that come to be? Like, I guess I was a little confused there. Did he, did she willingly go with Turpin or no? No, what he like, after he sent Benjamin Barker away. Lucy was left alone and he was sniffing around and she kind of ignored, tried to ignore him. Uh, but one night Turpin had a party and the beetle came and like implored her to come to this party. So she went and then at the party in front of everybody, Turpin rapes her. And, and the rich people just laugh about it, which is disgusting yeah. and why we should eat them. Yes, exactly. Literally. <laughs> Yeah. So case. so anyways, the so that would mean at that point, um she tell Nella tells um Sweeney that his wife after that kind of like went crazy and then committed suicide. Yeah. And um so he then believes that his wife is dead and that his um now teenage daughter Joanna is the ward of Turpin. Correct. Which is a huge bummer. Yeah. And at this point, you know, he hasn't revealed who he is, but you can tell that love, Mrs. Lovett expects. And then once he, he like has an outburst over what happened to his wife and kid and she's like, it is you, you are Benjamin Parker, you know? And, um, okay. I just want to interject here. Mm-hmm. Um, how long, uh, he, how long could he have been gone? Not that long. It's a small it was- community. 15 years okay so the only thing really changed about him is he's got that stupid ass white streak in his hair so that (laughs) white streak kept everyone from knowing who the fuck he was like what stop i mean 15 years is a while bags under his eyes (laughs) i'm just like nobody knows and then someone was like oh and then like in a minute here sasha baron cohen's gonna be like oh i know who you are and i'm like you idiot if no one else does but you know 20 seconds after seeing him come on Okay, anyways, that's my rant. Well, maybe it's also another indication of of class, like how the upper class, who are the only people that would matter if they recognized him, don't pay attention to the lower class. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. they, there's even a song lyric that's just like, you know, I'm just a barber. No one even looks at my face. No one cares. That's a good point. I like that. I like that makes me less angry about it now. <laughs> So Mrs. Lovett takes Todd upstairs and um, the room is pretty much like how we left it. So Lu- their, Joanna's little bassinet and doll are still there. And Mrs. Lovett had hidden his straight razors in the floorboards um, and kept them safe. because. And she makes the comment of, because they're made with real silver. And she's like, I could have sold them, but I didn't. And <laughs> Sweeney Todd sings to his razors. i like i like the arrangement because like he's singing to the razors and mrs love is singing to him and he's not really paying attention to her but you can tell she's like it reveals like how much she's enamored with him and how she always has been and blah 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 um and it's not explicit but he makes the comment um you know that his silver razors will soon drip rubies 
So even from this very first point, as soon as he gets the razor's back, he's like, I'm going to use him to kill some fuckers. Um, he hasn't gone full cuckoo bananas yet, but you know he has revenge plans. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> bananas. His old friend, the razors. Okay. At last, <laughs> his arm is complete again. I feel like we say that a lot, or do I just think it a lot? It was, I remember it being like a big line in the trailer and it kind of becoming like a running joke. Okay. Uh, then we see Anthony um, staring at Joanna, who's sitting in her window singing. And Anthony just falls in love with this bitch just looking at her through a window. Like, they had, to be fair, they had to cut like an hour out of this thing. The musical's three hours long and they cut it down to two. So they cut out a lot of stuff about Anthony and Joanna. But in the movie, it's just so funny. They don't know each other at all. <laughs> right. just well, love at first sight is a hell of a drug. Apparently. Ugh. And and like he just assumes for a while that she dug him too. I'm like, have you even talked to her yet? And he's like, she's gonna want to be with me. And I'm like, bro, does she though? Like she right. just like looked while she was like crocheting, like calm the fuck down. I've always hated that song, the Joanna song too, because he's like, I'll steal you, Joanna. <laughs> I'm like, could you have worded that any creepier? Right. Like, <laughs> just as bad as the other guy that stole her. Like, okay. <laughs> right. Like she's an object. Yeah. <laughs> And, she, and I, probably she's like, get me away from Turpin. I don't give a shit. This kid at least looks my age. Like, whatever. Right? <laughs> and we see while she's in her room singing, Turpin spies on her through a hole in the wall like a fucking creep. Well, yeah, he's a creep. He sucks. Yeah. She's And I keep having to remind myself, she's like 15, 16 tops. Ew. 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 Mm-hmm. It's icky. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I don't it know is. where they found this girl because this is, I think this is like one of her first big role, but she just looks, she looks like something that Tim Burton would have drawn. She just <laughs> looks she like an embodiment yeah. character. She looks and like her sister like she, Sally from, or not Sally, the woman from the Corpse Bride. What was that woman's name? Oh, Emily. Yes. Sorry, Julie. No, you're fine. I was just saying that she looks like like she looks like she fits in Victorian London. Yeah, very thin, pale. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. That's just I said something in passing at, at when we did Beetlejuice, but I just want to point out that Tim Burton has been like on record because people have called him out about the fact he never casts people of color in his movies, and he I forget what his exact wording was wording was but it was basically like that they don't fit his aesthetic which is the most racist bullshit i've ever heard in my life Mm -hmm. so let me just put tim burton on blast for a minute he sucks um but when you talk about like the tim burton aesthetic yeah this girl is like yeah um so the, there's a beggar woman out on the street and she tells Anthony who Joanna is and warns him that Turpin, like, don't fuck with Turpin. He'll get you. Um, and Anthony sings more about how he's going to steal her anyway because he's a fucking idiot. If some lady was like, listen, even if she was a crazy lady on the street, if she's like, don't go after that girl, they're going to kill you. 
He mm-hmm. knows nothing about her. He's never spoken to her, and he's still just like, oh, I'm going to do it. Hey, Ian, we're going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, I love her, even though I saw her through a window pane. Like, hell, she might not even look that good. How, like, clean was that window? <laughs> you know? Yeah, let us, let us, right. let, let us discuss the, var- the uh, variances in Victorian glass. <laughs> Actually, would be really interested in that. I don't know why I made a joke about it. I would like to enjoy that. Dork. (laughs) Um, I I've never known because since I'd seen the stage show before, since I like knew going in watching the movie that who the beggar woman was. Was I the only one? Like when you first saw the movie, were you shocked by the beggar woman reveal, or did you know the whole time? I kind of was like, okay, so they said she went crazy. Like, uh, all she, she said was that she took crazy. arsenic from the apothecary. Honestly, I'm I'm gonna be honest with you, Chief. It's been so long, I don't remember if I knew. I, I feel like I always did. Yeah, like I feel like they don't do a good enough job hiding her because we yeah. see Lucy in the flashbacks, and then you see the beggar woman's face. Yeah, yeah, and I never knew if that was just me projecting because I already knew going in, or or not because I'm just like that's clearly no. And I I would I would wager that our group is pretty good at like reading like plot lines, like our comprehension level is high enough, and it's kind of the obvious twist, right? Um, so I feel like we probably figured it out. If, like a regular Tom, Dick, and Harry watching this may not have noticed as instantly as we did, but I know we're like all like theater education. I mean, English kids, but like, of course, yeah, we do know a complicated plot, but I don't think like that's complicated. Like, I don't think no, that... it's like an obvious twist. It's like yeah, yeah. I just kept yeah. thinking the whole movie. I was like, who do they think she is? Like, your right. wife is dead slash missing, and there's this beggar lady on the street that sings because everybody in this movie sings <laughs> and, uh, you know has blonde hair and your wife had blonde hair like oh maybe we should look into this like just ask her some questions and she can sing them back to you like i don't know right. and they do make a do good a good job of showing that mrs lovett is always trying to get her to go away because lovett knows who she is so she's like eh, fuck off lady <laughs> before yeah. I, we get busted um so I can't remember if it's the same afternoon or a different day, but at one point Judge Turpin invites Anthony in. It's right then. It's right then. I think. Okay. I think it's right then. And Judge Turpin immediately starts talking about fucking. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's okay. like, you're a sailor. I'm sure you've done a bunch of fucking. It's these <laughs> ladies in this country and these ladies in this country. I got books all about it. And I'm just like, okay. Um, <laughs> I'd be setting down my tea and running out the door. <laughs> um, but basically, he's like, "You're a piece of shit," and I saw you looking at my ward. And if you come around here again, I'm gonna kill you. And he has the beetle throw him out, and he kicks the shit out of him. And still, <laughs> still, he's like, "I'm gonna get you." <laughs> I love her even more now. <laughs> Yeah, now I gotta have her. God, it's a savior complex. Then it's like, well, if he'll do this to me, what's he doing to her? Yeah, yeah, it's true. I just think Anthony's dumb. 
He is. I mean, <laughs> that's why he's a sailor. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Shade. <laughs> Some sailor slander up in the, this bitch. I mean, he's a young man. He didn't go to school. Like, he probably, it was probably his only choice. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So the next scene is like my favorite part of the whole movie, which is Aldolfo Pirelli, played by <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen. He's so good. He's yeah. so good. So one of the big differences between the movie and the stage show is in the stage show, Toby is an adult, but is just kind of implied that he's not all there, really. That he's just kind of like an immature man and child. Mm-hmm. Which I prefer. I like that better. I think it's darker and more twisted and plays more into a triangle with him and I uh, love it in Todd. Oh, yeah, sure. Because it's not like a little kid being like, oh, I'll protect you. Like, he he's in love with Mrs. Lovett. Like, and he's a grown-ass man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I kind of see that. Yeah. Um, but in the movie, he's played by a little kid adorable little kid like julie said who can sing really well what else i wonder what else that kid's been in i can look it up yeah um but he sings about pirelli's miracle elixir and how it'll magically grow your hair back i love that song (laughs) yeah it's like my favorite song um again the whole time he's promoting this miracle elixir Todd and Lovett are in the crowd being like, this is piss. <laughs> this is piss with ink. It re- <laughs> it's, it'll eat through your shoes. They're just... <laughs> uh, um, Ed Sanders, the kid, was also in Hugo um, in Kill or Be Killed. He was born in 93. Looks like he hasn't been in a whole lot. Huh. I wonder, he's probably been in stage shows. Um... So, after Sweeney Todd and Mrs. Lovett are, like, talking shit about the elixir, the elixir, we get Adolfo's entrance. Now, I promised myself that I wouldn't sing this entire podcast because I just love this music so much. But I have to sing this one part because it's my favorite part of the entire score. <laughs> and I apologize in advance. <laughs> but Adolfo comes out and he's like... I am Adolfo Pirelli, the king of the barbers, the barber of kings. A buongiorno, good day. I blow you a kiss. <laughs> and I, the so famous Pirelli, I wish it to Noah, who has a, the nerve to say, my elixir is piss. Who says this? <laughs> That's my favorite verse in this entire score. Um, I left like two seconds to let Dorsey out because she was would not stop whining. And I come back and you're singing and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> It's my favorite part. I can't help it. Um, it is a good scene. Yeah. So Sweeney Todd is like, I'm the one that says this. I, your elixir is bullshit. And so he, they set a contest and they have um, the beetle be the judge. And it's whoever can do the fastest, smoothest shave. And of course, Pirelli. Yeah. Pirelli could have done it had he not been all the theatrics there and you know he didn't even try yeah he's too busy running his mouth and he's like just barely got the guy lathered and 
Todd wins. He's like, the winner is Todd. He's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> too busy singing. See, this is why we don't sing in movies. This is, he lost the contest. <laughs> um, and that that's a great point, Heather. And it's going to come back later when I, uh, like later in the, in the same musical. Um, I just want to say about this part specifically, are these not prison rules? Like, he found the biggest guy in the yard. He beat the shit out of him to establish his business. Yeah. It was smart. It was good strategy. He had to get, had to get the, make sure the judge knew about him somehow. Mm-hmm. And it worked. Like, and it works. I loved all the, like, little subtleties to the judge needing a shave. Like, he would, oh, your stubble. Like, all these, like, everyone needs a shave all the time. Right. Um, the beetle comments how he'll come in for a shave too. And there's a cameo and at this part from Anthony. I Stewart just Head. noticed that. Yeah. I've seen this movie how many times and I just was like, Hey, isn't that that guy? Well, because originally in the original draft of the screenplay, they were going to have a chorus and the chorus was going to be made up of ghosts of people that um, Todd had killed. Mm-hmm. And among them was going to be Anthony Stewart head. Um, Christopher Lee was going to be one of them. Oh. Yeah, but Christopher, the chorus got cut, and then Christopher Lee got cut entirely, and then the only remnant of Stuart, of Anthony Stewart head was in this one little scene. I love Anthony Stewart head. I think he's adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Anthony is still going around Joanna, sniffing around, and she throws Anthony a key out the window. And Turpin sees, which is no, no good. Not good. Back at the barbershop, Todd is getting really antsy because, you know, the Beatles said that he was going to come by later that week. And it's like Tuesday and he's already like, where is he? <laughs> and love it. Just placates him. is just like, calm down. Just be patient. Everything will be all right. Um, and then Anthony shows up and he's like, I'm going to kidnap this chick. Sounds so weird. <laughs> I'm going to save this chick, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to bring her back here. Can I bring her back here while I like get us a, a coach so we can escape? And realizing who it is, Todd says, yes. I, th- I can't remember. Does Anthony leave or does Pirelli come before Anthony leaves? No, Anthony leaves, I think. Okay. And then... Pirelli shows up because he just shows up with such panache. Um, <laughs> just, mm. Mm. <laughs> um, so Julie, tell us about what happens when Pirelli arrives. Okay, so he shows up and he's like, he basically reveals that he's not Italian, that he's a fraud, and that his name is Davy Collins, and he used to be. Uh, shop boy for Sweeney Todd he or not Benjamin Barker he swept up hair um, and he was like I used to sit right here and dream about the day that I could be a proper barber and now he's a fraud but he's doing a little well for himself considering he has like 
the scam clothes and scam personality and all that fun stuff. Um, right. And he does reveal to us that, because we talked about this earlier where he recognized him, but I don't think it was him that he recognized. He recognized the razors. He's like, right. I wouldn't forget these razors. So I don't know if um, Sweeney Todd's fate, I mean, I guess his years in Australia, which instead of getting tan, he got pale. <laughs> Good point. Deathly pale um, changed him. Um but that's, you know, he's sitting there and he's basically, what he does is he's like, all right, this, he's like, this is going to do nicely. He's like, you're trying to horn in on my business, so I will take half of what you make here. Um, and then Sweeney Todd does a murder. Um, well, he starts a murder. He does some blunt force trauma to the head with a tea kettle. Um, meanwhile, the kid is downstairs with Mrs. Lovett and she's feeding him one of her disgusting meat pies, um, <laughs> that has mold and roaches. And he's like, yeah, this is great. Which sounds like a euphemism, but is not. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's like, oh, it's great. Probably cause he hasn't fed. Um, and so like, yeah, they hear the struggle and then like. Toby is downstairs and he's like, oh, holy shit. He's like, he's got a, I don't know why I gave him an accent. He's like, oh crap, he's got an appointment. I gotta go. I don't know where that came from. And so he like runs upstairs and then you see Sweeney Todd just kind of standing there like by himself. And he's like, oh, where did Senor Pirelli go? Um, Reader, he was stuffed in a box. <laughs> but he was... Do you mean to keep going or like? Um, oh no, I'm just having fun listening to you. Sorry. All right, well, okay. well, so Toby's like, well, I should wait here. He's like, I really gotta wait here because he will be mad and he'll he'll beat me if I. He's like, he loves lashing, so obviously he's not like a great father figure to Toby. Um, and so he kind of sits down on the box, and you can just see a hand like hanging out the side and the fingers switching and you're like shit the cast iron tea kettle didn't do its job fuck <laughs> and so <laughs> he manages to like bribe this kid to go back downstairs he's like oh have mrs lovett give you a nice tot of gin and he's like oh thank you sir and he runs downstairs <laughs> that was a more appropriate accent there you go. <laughs> um, and he like runs downstairs to get his fucking wasted on gin which who doesn't love a taste of Christmas every now and then? Um, <laughs> that's what gin tastes like. Gin tastes like Christmas to me. Anyway, I've never had gin. It it tastes like it tastes like pine needles. It's gross. <laughs> Weird. I mean, it, it it is kind of gross, but sometimes you gotta feel like Snoop Dogg. Have some gin and juice. Anyways, um, <laughs> but yeah. So then he opens up the like Sweetie Todd opens up the. Uh, what was that called? Trunk. There you go. He opens up the trunk and Dave, old, old Davy Collins is just bleeding from the head in there. And so he sticks, he, oh no, he like tries to pull himself out and, you know, gets the old uh, across the neck. He gets unalived <laughs> um, and bled out a little bit. And then like he, a stuck and then pig. he does, yeah, and he stuffs him back in the box. So. Rest in peace to Davy Aldolfo Pirelli Collins. <laughs> um, the next scene we see 
<laughs> he cracks me up every time we see Turpin at work. He's, you know, doing a, doing a judging or whatever. And he sentences a little boy to hang. <laughs> but that reveal is so funny. He's like, this is the second time you've been in front of my court. And I sentence you to hang from the neck until you uh, die. And it cuts and it's just this little boy in the box. And so you're like, oh, oh yeah, this guy's a bastard. As if him, you know, raping a woman in front of everybody and kidnapping her kid wasn't good enough to illustrate that. We just had to pop that little part in there. Oh, no, it's even worse because as soon as they get outside, he goes, was he guilty? He says, hasn't every man done something worthy of hanging or something like that? Like, what the fuck? He was a kid. Ugh, man. (laughs) (laughs) So Turpin tells Beetle that he's going to marry Joanna. And that her reaction to this wasn't that great. And Beatles was like, oh, well, women are, you know, are delicate. You need to, you, need, you have stubble on your face. If you go get a shave, she'll be more, she'll be happier about it, which, great logic. Um, Not to a woman who likes a beard. Right. I'm like, hey. Speak she doesn't know what she likes. She's 15 and lives in like a room like Rapunzel. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, the whole entire situation is freaking gross. Mm-hmm. Like, I also would not be stoked about it. So now we know that um, the judge is going to go to come to Todd. And um, so <laughs> Mrs. Love goes upstairs after Toby has, like, passed out drunk somewhere. Um Lovett goes upstairs and sees that Pirelli is dead in the trunk. And she's like, you're barking mad. And Swinney Todd's like, oh, well, he was going to blackmail mail me for half my money. And she's like, oh, well, in that case. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, and he's still tucked away in the trunk. And then Judge Turpin arrives. And this scene is so frustrating because I like the song Pretty Women. It's a good song. And I love hearing Alan Rickman saying... But it just like goes on for so long, and you're just like, "Would you please just kill him already? Just, I had to, just I kill him." I, I think I, I paused a little bit before this, and like had to take a break, and then like I ended up just muting it because I just I was like, "Pick up the pace, Picante." Like, <laughs> it's just so frustrating, you know. And it was like yeah. we were talking about earlier with Pirelli, like he was busy singing, and then. Everything got fucked up because guess what happens in the middle of them singing about pretty women? What happens, Hillary? What happens? Anthony bursts in and of fucking ruins it. Does. <sighs> um, yeah, Heather, tell us about when Anthony busts in. <laughs> I don't even see. This is where it gets. I my notes get all blurry now. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, this is the end of my notes. I stopped taking notes after this. Like we, we are were... not even halfway through the movie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Okay, I remember what happens. No, so he boils the chance. He comes in. And he's like, "I'm gonna um, marry this girl, or go get her, or whatever." And then obviously, yeah. And Turpin's like, oh, no, you won't. Oh, hell no, Turpin is saying. And he leaves. <laughs> he's like, "I and if you hang out with this guy, I will never come and get a shave from you again. Good day, sir. And leaves. And, of course, Sweet Todd is pissed off. So he's 
screams at Anthony and tells him to get out. And then Sweeney Todd hulks out and sings a song about how everyone fucking deserves to die. <laughs> and he's frankly, mood. <laughs> he's not wrong. But Love It kind of like tries to get him to calm down. And she brings him downstairs. And she's like, gives him the rest of the gin that Toby didn't manage to drink. And she's like, well, what are we going to do about the body upstairs? And then she has a little epiphany. She's like, I don't even know how it goes now. It was a meme on TikTok, and I can't even remember how the song begins. Um, seems a, a downright sh- shame. shame. Seems an awful seems waste. Seems an awful waste, yeah. Um, during her song, Worst Pies in London, she makes a comment about how one of her competitors is making her meat pies out of cats, out of stray cats. And so Mrs. Levin ha- realizes that if Sweeney Todd is going to go on this killing spree because everyone deserves to die, apparently, that she can use the dead bodies for her meat pies. Which is fucking gross. Um, Everybody needs a shave, so there'll be plenty of flavors. <laughs> exactly. And they sing song, A Little Priest, where they're basically just talking about all the different type of people you can kill and just how they'll make different flavor pies out of them and Shepherd's it's very with actual shepherd peppered on top. Um, <laughs> I do have a coincidence to point out here mm-hmm. um, because of my specialized interests. Um, technically, or according to Wikipedia, this takes place in 1846. Mm-hmm. Coincidentally, at the very same time, guess who was heading west in the United States? That's right, folks. The Donner Party were headed towards the Sierra Nevada Mountains where they were going to get stuck and they had to eat each other to survive. Huh. In 1846. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have uh, some comments and a question. Okay. So they decide, okay, we have this bright idea. We're going to make meat pies with humans. And, okay, then business is a booming. First off, mm-hmm. think about the beginning of the movie. There was mold all over that pie. How does cannibalism now fix the mold? Like, <laughs> because they were moldy, not because they weren't meaty enough. No, I think that there wasn't meat in those pies. I think that now that there's actual, it smells better because the meat, the the long pig, if you will, um, it smells better. and uh, According to the handbook at my movie theater job, we make popcorn so people want to buy it because of the smell. And so I just assume that the smell of the pie is better. Um, And maybe she got better at making pie. I don't don't know. The pies the first time around were moldy because no one was eating them and they had set out for so long as what you Yes, I think so. Because when she gives Toby a pie, they don't look that bad. Like, they look like she'd made newer ones. So I feel like... And I, I do think smell has a lot to do with it. And also, I think she's probably trying a little harder because now she has meat to make pie. Yeah, and she has help now, too, because now Toby stays with them. Yeah, because Pirelli fucked off. So I have a question that might be for Hillary. And um, if you don't know, that's okay. But I was thinking about this as an actual like musical theater production and the I love this song the way that it goes from her making the pies to him killing the you know rich people 
for the lower class just for the hell of it. And there's like all this going on, but how does it act out on stage? Like how are all, does all that come together on a stage? I mean, pretty much the same. Um, and I mean, instead of blood, a lot of times they'll use like red scarves or that or the other to symbolize blood, but they do the whole same thing with like his chair drops down into a, a shaft that drops him to, drops the actors down into a, uh, underneath the stage and it's supposed to represent dropping down into the cellar and blah 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 um, but yeah I mean it's pretty much identical as from the movie in terms of story beats and how they do it logistically does that make sense? yeah Yeah. where was I? Priest okay have a little priest um, great song fucked up but great I feel like this has always been my favorite song from this musical yeah this is probably my second favorite, definitely. A lot of great puns. I love me a pun. <laughs> the politician's so oily. Uh, serve with a doily at one. Put it on a bun because you never know when it's going to run. <laughs> I love it. Um, I like the line about poet. This is like um, about something or other. It's like awful lot of fat only where it's sat do you have poet or something like that yeah. she's like well the problem with poet is how you would you know it's deceased to try the priest yeah there's a lot of good ones good good punny show tunes gotta love them mm-hmm. so now the turpin knows that um joanna was planning on running away with anthony he sends her away to an asylum which is fucked up. Um, and then we see like a montage of Todd killing a bunch of dudes while singing about Joanna. <laughs> he, like I said earlier, he sets up a, a shoot underneath his chair that as soon as he kills someone, he just sends them down the chute and it sends them down into the basement, which how they did that, like architecturally I, I i don't know how they managed to build that but it's very impressive true also i just feel like well there's a lot of work involved in this like i just because they don't drop right into the grinder which means someone like she's doing a lot of fucking work here because mm-hmm. i feel like that means she's also dismembering them and then yeah. throwing them into the grinder but we later find out not that well. She's she's not grinding them up that well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she, she got sloppy. Um, she was sloppy. Uh, anyways, if I was going to kill my husband, I would scare him to death. Um, <laughs> sorry. Is this also uh, this little like uh, premonition or not premonition what's the word I want a little flash of her and the boy and Sweeney like they're just the meat monsters and their little cute family murder family <laughs> do you mean her fantasy about them getting married yes they're a little murder oh, family, little murder family. Um, almost yeah pretty much yeah because it all becomes it's this whole montage kind of keeps going for a while where we see Todd killing everybody and setting them down the chute. And business starts to boom at the pie shop. And we should see that Toby is working for Lovett now. And um, 
that's another thing too that's bringing in customers she has this little boy outside being like come on in and get some pie and that must work to an extent he just he just reworks his pirelli's magical elixir song for mrs lovett's meat pies right (laughs) mrs lovett needs pies (laughs) savory and sweet pies true sir true um Oh, good. You reminded me of something I wanted to look up. Now i got to find my phone so I can Google it while you're talking. What? Oh, just, just, just go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll interject later. Okay. <laughs> um, but, yes, like, Julie, or like Heather was saying, um, Todd and Mrs. Lovett go out on a picnic, and she sings the song By the Sea, which is how she fantasizes about them going on a vacation to the ocean, and to the beach and that they would go get married and live happily ever after and, and sweeney's just like whatever like he, he doesn't really argue with her or say anything he's like whatever you say it's fine cool <laughs> i love that shot of them sitting like in their bathing suits and he's sitting on that beach towel just like all glum while she's kissing him on the cheek so funny um after her little fantasy about the murder family um we see anthony shows up again which he has balls to show up again after he screamed at me last time i'm pretty sure i would (laughs) probably avoid him for a while um but anthony shows back up and tells todd that joanna is at the asylum so todd tells anthony to pose as a wig maker because that's where wig makers get their hair is by going to asylums and like fucking scalping poor innocent women um and then that that way when he gets in there he can bust her out and then todd sends toby with a letter for judge turpin and we don't know what the letter says yet but we just we know that he goes off to do that um toby returns from running the errand and tells mrs lovett that he'll protect her no matter what and we get the sense that he's starts to suspect what Sweeney Todd is up to, but he doesn't realize that Mrs. Lovett isn't on it too because he loves her and you know hearts in his eyes and whatnot. Oh, did you Google what you were going to Google, Julie? Well, yeah, I guess I was just really worried about um, the 1946 outbreak of Kuru, um, which is a disease like an encephalopathy caused by eating human meat. Um, <laughs> I guess I was just kind of worried about it, but here's the thing. Imagine, like, okay, so they're feeding people people, and, like, Kuru breaks out, but, see, Sweeney Todd is also set just um, nine years before the third plague pandemic, and I'm talking about the bubonic plague, although it did not really reach the Western world as such. It was actually more of a problem in India and China. I'm... I'm a lot of, like, disease podcasts recently. I'm so sorry. Um... (laughs) But yeah, like you do. Did you know the third plague plague pandemic lasted from like 1855 to 1960? Good God! Yeah, I know, right? You're welcome for this knowledge. Um, moving on. Yeah, I just wanted to Google. I couldn't remember if it was Kuru or Crutzfeld Jacobs disease. Um, those are both diseases associated with eating human meat. Yes. <laughs> Heather, I have a question for you. Yes, go on. Uh. If the meat was ethically sourced, would you eat it? Human meat? Yes. 
Oh, it doesn't even have to be ethically sourced. It is just a shit person. I'd love to eat them. I mean, animals ethically sourced, of course. Humans, I mean, fuck no, I don't give a shit. Like, (laughs) humans deserve it. (laughs) Yes or no? (laughs) Is it a yes? Yeah. Same. I would definitely 100% eat human meat. I would try it. I feel like every episode we ever watched of Hannibal together, which was like all of them, we asked ourselves the same question, and I always said, "Yeah, of course I would." <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the thing. Okay, so I eat human meat, and then I get kuru. Like, I deserve it, so it's fine, right? You know what I mean? Like, I did. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I can eat microwave and get cancer, like you know. Hillary, I didn't even ask you because you're a vegetarian, but you can answer. (laughs) If you you were a meat eater, would you? I'm kind of like Heather. Like, if it was an asshole, not a literal asshole, if it was a person who was an asshole, (laughs) (laughs) I ain't trying to eat ass over here. I'm just saying. Like, I feel like it might be tough because it's such a it's a muscle. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm getting way too technical here. Okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> where the fuck was I in this movie? Um. Okay. So Anthony poses as a wig maker and gets into the asylum and breaks out to Joanna. I actually really like this part because he also is like. Now, Mr. Fogg, you get to be at the mercy of your children. And, like, he sacrifices him, the, this man, to, like, this room of, like, crazy women, which is incredible. And the thing is, half of them probably were even crazy. They were driven crazy by being shoved in an asylum. Yeah. I like that part, too. That's actually original to the movie. Because in the stage show, Anthony, like, won't shoot the guy. He's being a pussy about it. And I th- if I remember correctly... I think Joanna just like grabs the gun from him and is like, bang. <laughs> She's just like, fuck this guy. <laughs> Good for her. Right. Um, so the beetle arrives at the shop to inspect the bakehouse. Um, but Todd distracts him and gets him to come upstairs with him. Um, at this point, since she can tell that Toby suspects what's going on, she locks Toby in the basement and leaves him there. And he's she's like, eat as many pies as you want. Just, you know, wait down here for a while. And he's eating a pie and he spits out an entire toe, a whole toe. <laughs> and he reacts very quizzically, like, huh. <laughs> Where I'm pretty sure the correct response is fucking ew. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that too. I'm like, he's being real chill about this. Right. <laughs> I mean, he was an orphan in a workhouse, so I feel like not a whole lot surprises him. Apparently not. Because he starts looking around and realizing that, like, the meat that's going into the grinder is just, like, fucking whole human hands and shit. And then... um the beetle's body drops down through the chute and he's like, oh, fuck. So he goes and hides in the sewer, which is attached to their cellar. 
So Todd and Mrs. Levitt come downstairs looking for Toby. Um, and while they're down there looking for him, Anthony and Joanna arrive. Um, and Joanna is disguised as a boy. And Anthony leaves Joanna in Todd's barbershop while he goes to fetch them a carriage. And the beggar woman arrives. Because for ages now, she's been pointing out that, like, the smoke coming from their house is, smells like dead bodies. And she's the one that convinced the beetle to come and check the place out because people were getting suspicious. So the beggar lady shows up. So Joanna hides in the trunk. Um, Sweeney Todd comes in and surprises the beggar woman. And he obviously doesn't recognize her. I don't know how he doesn't, but he doesn't recognize her, and he slits her throat and sends her down the chute. Right as Turpin arrives. Um, we find out that the letter that he had Turpin, he had Toby give to Turpin, revealed that Joanna was going to be there that night, just as a way to lure him back there so he can kill him. So Todd reveals his identity as Benjamin Barker and kills Judge Turpin and sends him down the chute. And then Todd finds Joanna in the trunk, doesn't realize it's her, thinks it's just some boy, um, which her disguise isn't that good. No. I mean, she's like wearing a page boy cap, but otherwise that's clearly a girl, but whatever. Um, but fortunately, he doesn't kill her. He's like, forget my face while he's covered in blood, which very optimistic of him. Um, because Mrs. Lovett is down in the basement screaming. Because when Judge Turpin dropped down there, he wasn't dead yet. And he, like, grabbed at her skirt. So she's like, die, damn you! <laughs> Why won't you die? Um, but she finishes him off. So now, um, Todd leaves Joanna and goes down to the cellar. And Todd instructs uh, Mrs. Lovett to open the stove door so that he can incinerate the bodies. And the light from the fire illuminates the beggar woman better. And he realizes that she was Lucy. So that's our big reveal. That is Lucy. And Mrs. Lovett is like, I technically didn't lie. I, I said that she poisoned herself and she did. She drank arsenic, but it didn't kill her. It just drove her crazy. And she was like trying to protect Sweeney Todd from this knowledge. Where in reality, she was trying to get her some D. So, um, but in revenge, Sweeney Todd throws Mrs. Lovett into the stove, killing her. He dances so, with her a little bit first. I mean, let's not well, forget. Yeah, he's like, oh, you're so, yeah, you're you're so clever, blah, blah, blah. And they're like waltzing around the room. And then he just yeets her into the fire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, it's pretty gruesome, too. Like, we see her burn up. It's pretty gross. Yeah, it is really gross. Yeah. Um. And then Sweeney Todd kneels over Lucy's body, mourning her. And Toby sneaks up behind him and kills him. And that's the end of the movie. Pretty gnarly. Yeah. It oh, doesn't. T- it doesn't show Joanna and Anthony going away together, does it? Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. No, that's what I was just gonna say. I wish that we saw something w- to give some sort yeah. of of hope at the end they're like oh at least they got to get together yeah i'm sure they made it out okay that they survived so. 
I do want to say, I want to bring it back to not remembering people's faces. Like, what is it about musicals that people just don't remember what people look like? Like, Les Mis. <laughs> They're like, oh, it's him? Oh, my. Right. That was my last note that I wrote down. I was like, what is up with musicals? And just being like, oh, that's who you are? <laughs> well, I feel like in Les Mis, at least, like, with, with regards to, like, uh, Javert not recognizing Valjean, he was probably emaciated from being in prison. You know yeah. what I mean? And then he was like healthy. So you're um, saying he and, looked a little bit more different than just having a white streak in his hair. Right. <laughs> uh, okay, first off, that hair, he looks like Wolverine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But also, Heather. How are you hating on this white streak when you know that you love the white streak of the mom and the family stone? I know you do. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> you do. I know. I, I, shit. Sorry, Johnny. <laughs> Don't ask me. Apparently, Sweeney's appearance in the film bears a striking resemblance to that of Dave Vanian, singer of the gothic rock band The Damned. Vanian sported a similar hairstyle and attire for much of the 80s and 90s. So maybe that's a conscious reference to somebody. I'm looking at that right now. And not just goth Wolverine. <laughs> no, I don't think that's what they were going for. <laughs> Dave Vanian. <Yeah>. Goth Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, hey, I might not have had notes, but I definitely had humorous interjections. So, Julie, <laughs> why why were you just so ugh this time, this watch around? Yeah. I keep I don't know. I just, I think that honestly, like, I just think that like, especially um, the part where they're seeing pretty women, like, I just don't like the way their voices sound together. And it was like, just grating. And I was like, I can't. And so I muted it. <laughs> and I, I know, I'm sorry. That's just how I feel. And like, I just like, and I think that like, I knew it was going to get fucked up by Anthony. And it was just like, I was like, God, it was like embarrassing to me somehow. And I was like, I couldn't handle it. I don't know. I can't explain myself. Fair enough. It was just, it was just, I was like, oh God, you know what I mean? Cause he's like, I had him. And I'm like, yeah, you did, but you were fucking around. Like, yeah. come on, bro. So I think that's what it was. That's fair. I just remember singing these songs. Like, they're my favorite musical songs. Like, I feel like all of college, we just sang this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, mm -hmm. I mean, it would it came out, what, a year before we moved out? We all lived together in Athens? Yeah, it came out the year I graduated high school. Yeah. Which, it seems like it, what, like it wasn't that long ago, but it was a long time ago. <laughs> it was so long ago. Far. <laughs> <laughs> This movie was voted 490 on Empire Magazine's 500 Greatest Movies of All Time. Wow. I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. Like, I mean, just think about this podcast alone. This is like episode 50-something. <laughs> and it took yeah. me that long to get here. Like, and these, this is, podcast isn't even about the greatest movies of all time. It's just ones that I like. I was like, hmm, don't know about all that. And, it was really and, part, and also part of it was only because we just started doing a bunch of Burton movies, too. Right. Yeah, what's your next Burton movie you're going to do? 
Um, I believe Lacey and I are going to do Edward Scissorhands. And then we're going to do the 1989 Batman. <gasps> no, we're not. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> we're going to do Sleepy Hollow for oh, Halloween. Yeah. I'm so excited. I have so much to say. So much to say. (laughs) Speaking of Burton episodes, just a quick callback reference to the Beetlejuice episode. Um, It was officially announced that the Beetlejuice musical is coming back to Broadway in April of next year. And word on the street is that they're going to film it and release the pro shot through HBO. Don't know if that's true. That's just more. They need to make theater more accessible. Yep, they sure fucking do. Especially stuff with like Beetlejuice and where it's like it's already a movie, so to readapt it, you know, like I understand that they have never released a pro shot of like Wicked because they can still make money of it off Broadway and make make money on it from a film adaptation, but like. Beetlejuice, the way it's been adapted, they're not going to make this into a movie. It'd be too weird. So, like, stuff like this needs a pro shots. And look how much money yeah. I'm sure they made off of Hamilton being a, a pro shot of Hamilton for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. I know I watched it. Even my mom watched it with me. She really liked it. Wow. Yeah. Um, this movie did really well. I mean, it did make a lot of money. Um, in America, but it made a lot of money internationally. Like the budget was was fifty million, and its box office was one hundred fifty three point four million. Um, they got nominated for a bunch of awards. Let me see the awards. It won an Academy Award for Best Art Direction. Um, Johnny Depp was nominated. Isn't Academy Award winning film. Yeah, Johnny was nominated for an Oscar for it. It was nominated for Best Costume, costume. Design. Sorry. Costume Design, that's fair. Yes, Costume Design and Makeup, like, that is very fair. But an Oscar for Johnny for this. He won the Golden Globe for Best Actor best actor in a Musical or Comedy that year. I didn't even know hmm. that, that he won the Golden Globe. And it won Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy at Golden Globes that year. Wow. 2008 Golden Globes and Oscars must have been slim pickings. Sorry, movie, but like, goddamn. <laughs> yeah. So, Sweeney Todd, you guys have any final thoughts on Sweeney Todd? Um, for a musical, it's, just, it's it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's high praise. Yeah, that's high praise from Heather. Rock yeah. on. Yeah. Um, you, I. <sighs> I really like I do like this movie despite the, the struggle in watching it today. Um I really like it. It's fun. Like I the worst the worst pies in London and a, a little priest are my favorite things. Um I just I don't know. The concept of eating people in fiction I love, as is <laughs> evidenced by my love of Hannibal. Which when are we gonna do Sounds of the Lambs? I know. You know we need to. Like, I know because it'll we'll just get derailed and talk about Hannibal, um, NBC's Hannibal a lot, but still. Yeah. Like, I think that's the reason why I haven't done it yet is because I'm trying to figure out a good way to talk about all of the Hannibal universes in one yeah. episode. 
I, well, I feel like you should have, like, January should be Hannibal a month or something. Yeah, but there's, like, four fucking movies and then the whole series. And it's like, how do you, how do I even encapsulate all that? We just, we just start well, talking we and keep rambling. We can't not talk about about Hannibal, about NBC's Hannibal. I know. I've yet to talk about it thing, on the show yet. My favorite thing in the world is like when Heather and I, anytime Heather and I guest on this podcast, every single time is like, okay, but when are we doing this? When are we doing this? When are we doing this? People, she teased me once with this. She's like, oh, I'm going to come to your house and we should do Hannibal. And then we didn't do it. And when she left, I like silently cried a little bit because I was like, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) So remember that next time I'm just like, what the fuck am I going to do, guys? Just be like, well, we're going to do this. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Sorry, you told me. Thing. You promised, Mom. <laughs> I can't believe you are a hard no to 1989 Batman. I mean, I guess I can, but also I can't believe you. I prefer Batman Returns, personally. Um, Which one's that? The one with Cat Lady. Cat, cat Lady. Cat Lady. Cat Woman. <laughs> Is that the one with the penguin also? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's do that one. <laughs> Someday. Uh, I'm sorry. I will not give up any opportunity to talk about Danny DeVito. Holy shit. Let's do Matilda. Oh, yeah. We should do Matilda at some point. Yes. Fucking score. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. I love Matilda. <laughs> okay. I think that about wraps it up on Sweeney Todd. After I, I would really be think... interested to go back and like try to find like the Penny Dreadful, like mm-hmm. and like kind of read them, or yeah. read it, yeah, because I think that would be interesting as an as per, like as a lover of like literature and I don't know stuff like that, history and stuff like that. I think that would be fun. Agreed. Yeah. If and if anyone was invested in Julie and I's plans that we talked about at the end of Beetlejuice, yes, we did go to Amish country. Yes, we did have apple cider slushies, and it was amazing. <laughs> they really were really good. Oh we're God. so and good. I haven't stopped thinking about that romper that I left behind since I left it behind. Oh, let's save up for it and buy it. God, that shop was so expensive. Holy shit! I know. <sighs> Well, what was it called again? Shout out to that shop, uh, Farmhouse Brocks in Millersburg, Ohio. I'm sure they would not want me to like be a. They probably would not want to be affiliated with the show in any way. But shout out to them. Too bad. <laughs> All right, that that's enough of that. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you click the link tree link in the episode description, it will take you to all of the show's social media pages where I encourage you to follow and get in touch with us. If you have any comments, questions, requests, etc., you can message us on social media or email us at wearetheweirdospodcast at gmail.com. Also in the episode description, you will find a link that will take you to our support page. There you can make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly patronage. Any little bit will help tremendously as we are in desperate need of new equipment Um, If you can't help us financially, you can help us by sharing this podcast with your friends and followers to help us broaden our audience. 
And a big thank you, as always, to my dear, most loyal listeners who come around every episode and support us. We appreciate you so much. Thank you, ladies, for joining me. And until next time, we are the weirdos, mister. (laughs) 